Well, morning, everybody. It's been a while since I've been up here. <clears throat> Last week, uh, Steve had a part two to his lesson on demons and the evil that is still in the world. Hopefully, it has given us some pause as to consider how we will withstand the onslaughts of the evil in this world and how we can continue to be strong in the Lord. You know, our, our world is changing, and um, some of us sitting here can remember back in the early 2000s when things started changing in the religious world, and we were all just shocked, like we couldn't even believe it was happening, and here we are. You know, 20 years later, it's no better. It's getting worser. And uh, this whole thing about uh, woke, I don't know if it's just going to be the, the final plunge or not. But the bottom line is, you're going to be put in situations where you're going to have to make a stand for the Lord. You're going to have to confess Christ. And as I was driving here, of course, the lesson was changing in my mind. And I thought, no, John, no. Just say what you wrote down and let's get through it. Otherwise, we'll be here a very long time. <clears throat> it is much easier <clears throat> to have a strong stand when the evil is in another country. You know, shame on them. That's, that's terrible. Uh, we shouldn't let that happen. They should have done something. <clears throat> but I'm afraid that it's not going to be in another country much longer it's not even going to be in the next state. I mean, you know, for the longest time, I always sort of felt that the San Andreas Fault was put along the edge of California for a reason. You know, so when they got too wild, God would just carve them off and we would have new beachfront property, you know, and Arizona and Utah, etc. But I digress. <clears throat> How long before we're going to have to defend ourselves against our friends and relatives for our stance for living for Christ. Will we stand or will it just be too uncomfortable to do so? What will be the next moral issue that comes your way that you may be at work and people are going to be talking about and you're going to have to make a decision to make a stand if they call you on the carpet and ask you your opinion? You know, there's a lot of ways out of it. And I'm saying that kind of as a caveat because sometimes it's better to not say anything than create a ruckus that isn't going to change anything anyway. But if you have a way to make a, an appropriate comment regarding your personal beliefs, feel free to do so, but be ready to be persecuted for it. It's easy to proclaim Jesus' name in the good times. Now I'm wondering, man, we should have done a lot more proclaiming back in the early 2000s. <laughs> Hindsight is always 2020. Now when Jesus entered Jerusalem on the donkey at the end of his ministry, Mark tells us in Mark 11 and 8, And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In John's account, chapter 12, verse 13, it says, 
They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. In Luke 19 and 38, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So we had people that were publicly confessing that Jesus was the King that they had been waiting for. Of course, those things change radically in the next couple of days. But the point I wanted to make is that confessing Christ as the King of Kings is not difficult in the good times, but we must be ready to do it at all times as part of our Christian walk. Now, Matthew chapter 10, <clears throat> picking up in about verse 28. <clears throat> and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men... Him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. And whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. So do you think he's referring to the confession that we're asked to make before we're baptized? Maybe like, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Well, I don't think so. I believe this confession is our daily witness before all the world. This confession of Christ is a daily display of Christ in our lives. <clears throat> now this daily display is a result of maturing in Christ and his nature and how he would respond to the things of the world. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But still we have the promise and the warning. Matthew 10 and 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. So it's truly a wonderful promise that Jesus will confess us before the Creator of the heavens and the universe. And what will that confession be? Father, this is, insert your name, who has labored diligently since the day they heard the gospel, ever striving, ever growing in the knowledge of you. They have borne much fruit during their lifetimes. On the other hand, those that deny Christ by not doing that, which they know they should do, We'll also hear confession like the one in Matthew 7 and 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Yep, and we might even agree. Those who practice lawlessness or wickedness are heading for where they worked hard to get to. But there are those also who will hear another confession, 
like the one in Matthew 25 and 41. Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Well, with these promises ringing in our ears, the question is, are we truly confessing Christ? The penalty for not confessing Christ is the same as doing it the wrong way. Confessing Christ is obviously much more than merely stating, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Therefore, whoever confesses me before him, before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. The Apostle Paul obviously thought the Christians should carefully consider who Jesus is and his relationship with God. In Philippians uh, chapter 2. I know I'm rushing through this at kind of a high rate of speed. Uh, forgive me. Philippians 2, picking up in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So here's one of these things that are going to kind of explain how we're going to be able to do these things. It's not like we're going to get a soapbox and go down town Battle Creek on the corner and start preaching Jesus. That isn't what the confession is all about. It's your inner person that is the biggest confession. The person that you have to fight with every morning when you get up in the morning. That person is the one that confesses Christ by how we live and how we do things. Remember Paul said, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. Well, what does that look like? Do you get up every morning and say, my name is not really John, it's Paul? No. That isn't what it's all about. It's the more that you put the words of the gospel, the words of God into you, it's changing you into a new person, that new creature that's often preached down here. The new creature faces the things of this world a lot differently. Aunt Sue and I were just communicating a little bit about the old Aunt Sue and the new Aunt Sue. And there's an old John and there's a new John. I respond completely differently than when I first became a Christian. I have grown a whole bunch, Lord willing. I used to talk about the stoning pit out back. I don't talk about the stoning pit out back anymore. Yeah, you know. I've, I have been a civilian longer than I was a Marine now, so I no longer feel like I'm obligated to demonstrate the, the Marine Corps to anybody. As a matter of fact, a lot of the marine paraphernalia that used to be in my house is gone because that's not who I am anymore. I hope that when people see me, they see me as a Christian and not as a, as a marine. But that's just my hope. I went off topic. Forgive me. Wasn't I turning somewhere? Oh, there I am. Philippians 2, uh, picking up in verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has given also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father <coughs> is the changing of ourselves into this new person, a person who responds to the people at the DMV completely differently than you did years ago, or the, the bill collectors. You respond to them completely differently than you did before, or the slow service at the restaurant. You just are just more calm and compassionate in understanding. So... We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it well, but I'm going to try. So Paul writing to the Philippians, these were the beloved of Paul who were obeying, but his exhortation was to encourage them to increase even more in his absence and not get comfortable and think that they had it made in the shade. I'm going to cut something out here. Yes. It's hard to do that. Wait a minute. <clears throat> hmm. Can I do that? All right. Can I can do it. I believe that we're all going to be tested in various ways to ensure that we are on the right path. And that testing is going to come based on your maturity in Christ. And what I mean by that is that when you first become a Christian, you don't get all the tests all at once. The Lord saves them, doesn't he? He saves a whole bunch of them. And I think he saves the inner testings to farther down the road. Okay, maybe in the beginning, you know, um, maybe you have a trouble with cursing or or you know you have uh, financial challenges that you've created yourself and you just keep doing that over and over again or smoking or drinking or whatever so it takes a little while to get the externals taken where taken away and then God starts working on the real you on the inner man <clears throat> and we're going to have these tests and you're going to be walking along one day and everything's just perfectly fine and then somebody jumps right up in your face at work and you are totally unprepared. You were not ready for that. And you respond inappropriately. Maybe you go to wrath. And, you know, you come to your senses that evening and you're thinking, I didn't do that very well. I should have responded completely differently. I should have held my peace. But the old you was just kind of lurking back in the, in the background, waiting for his time for, to jet up because you hadn't been working on that. Well, now you, you, know, you have a challenge with that. Somebody falsely accuses you, you go off like a bottle rocket. Okay, I need to be working on that. Why am I going off like a bottle rocket? So that's where these internal changes are, are going to come along. So then one day, you know, somebody jumps up in your face and falsely accuses you, and you go, me? 
Oh, oh, sorry you feel that way. I didn't know I came across like that. Completely different. Because now you're responding like Christ. <clears throat> yes, I think I'm going to have cut that out. Yeah, well, <laughs> issues, okay. The old man, that's the old man. Yeah. I have repented of that. All right. Uh, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church of Philippi, said in Philippians 2.14, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom... You shine as lights in this world. Harmless, blameless, in a crooked and perverse generation. What great opportunities we're having. They're multiplying exponentially now. <clears throat> Can Christ be seen in your life? Can it be seen by the men of this world? Can it be seen by your children and family? Or is Christ only seen when you're mentally prepared? Sometimes we have no idea who is watching. This is a part I wanted to get to. I'm going to do my best not to get emotional. Okay? So I get my pocket knife out and stick it in my hand or whatever I got to do here. All right. It was a day of discharge from U of M, 22 December. I had been going through an enormous amount of stress. Come on, knife. <laughs> That's the next step, Anthony. Be careful. <clears throat> so I was under a lot of stress had to go down and get, you know, her medications. And one of the reasons why I was under a lot of stress is they didn't want her to go home. They wanted her to go to a rehab facility on 22 December. And I am thinking to myself, she's going to go into a rehab facility three days before Christmas. They're all downsizing. She's not going to get any physical rehab through the holidays. This is crazy talk. And Linda, I didn't know this, they had taken away one of her medications. And she was going through withdrawal symptoms. And she was very emotional and, you know, begging me, get me out of here. <clears throat> so I had to meet with a physical therapist, and they had to give me the uh, okie-dokie for her to come home. Physical therapist comes up. She does her thing, and she says, I can't recommend her going home. She know, needs to go to, you know, inpatient rehab. And I said, I have tried my best. You know, seven different organizations in Battle Creek have all turned her down. And one of the reasons why they turned her down, I don't want to drag this out, is because that medication they took her off caused her to get up and try to get out of the hospital on her own. So then they were about ready to tie her to the bed. This all went in her patient record. The inpatient uh, places in Battle Creek are saying, we don't want her because she's going to get up and try to escape. So they created the problem and didn't even tell me. I found out accidentally after I got home. So I knew I had to get her out of there. And the physical therapist said something under her breath. 
she said something, well, it, it's really your choice. And I went, what? She said, well, it's really up to you. I said, well, what's repercussions if I decide to take her home? Does Medicare say they're not paying for anything or what? Oh, no. No, it, it's your choice. I said, my choice is made. She's coming home. So now my hair is vertical and I'm fire. I'm trying to get a hold of the doctor to say, I'm getting her out of here. You sign the release. I'm trying to get all these medications lined up. I'm trying to get everything that we collected over 21 days in the hospital. Get it all in a wheelchair. I have a plan. I'm going to take this load down to the car, get the car out of the parking garage, get it loaded up, get a hold of Linda. They're going to bring her down in another chair. So all this is, my hair is on fire, I'm on the eighth floor and going down the hallway to the elevator. There's a girl in front of me. She presses the button. <clears throat> now there's a lot of women that dress up in the hijab, you know, the, the Muslim garb to where you only see her face, you know. And we're getting on the elevator and she's holding it so I can get in and she says, oh, so you and your wife are going home today. And I look at her, and I'm thinking, well, is she a nurse? But then I see she's got a visitor thing on her, on her jacket. And um, I said, yeah, we are. And I was a little confused, like, who is this girl? Then she says, oh, you probably don't remember me, uh, but my father was in the room next to your wife in the ICU. And I'm, no, I'm sorry, you know. I don't walk by the rooms in the ICU to see what's going on. I keep my eyes down. I really don't want to know what's going on, if, if you know what I mean. I'm just trying to be polite. She says, uh, yeah, me and my sisters, um, <clears throat> I talked to my brother about this. I thought if I said it once, I could get through it, you know? So uh, she was telling me about her dad, you know, and he was in the room, and I have a vague memory. Yeah, there was, they kept the door closed all the time. He had a special situation with his throat, blah, blah, blah. And she says, what's your name? And I said, John. She says, well, John, uh, me and my sisters have this agreed that we want our husbands to treat us the way you treated your wife if we ever end up in the ICU. I was blown away. Whew, got through that. <laughs> so I've given this interaction quite a bit of uh, thought. And I was wondering, you know, if I hadn't come up short, you know, and sharing something with this young lady on the elevator ride down to the first floor. But I think I've come to understand that this whole interaction was for me. It was for me to know that people are seeing positive things in me, even in bad situations. So, was I witnessing for Christ? I believe so. The, even the apostles were tested in this same manner. Uh, they went through some real tough things. And remember Peter in Matthew 26 and 75. Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Yet we read it in um, 
John 21, verses 14 through 17, that Peter confessed his love for Jesus three times, just as if he had overcome the three denials with three positive affirmations. I can only imagine the various ways that we have all denied Christ, went under pressure, and then the Lord provided opportunities for us to get back on the right path. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy as we try to wind this thing down in Second Timothy. Second Timothy, right after First Timothy. Chapter 2, picking up in about verse 11. And this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also... He also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself, prove to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because the word of truth is what's going to change you on the inner man to become more like Christ so that you have a positive witness. He who overcomes in Revelations 3, 5 shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Words of comfort and words of fear. We must continue to confess Christ until the end. And so as you go forth this week, I ask you to consider some tough questions. Am I confessing Christ this day? Is my light so shining forth that men can see Christ in me. Is my light shining bright at all times, or do I cover it so it cannot be seen when I am in certain situations? It is, after all, a life and death question. Unlike most of the things of this life, there's no middle ground. There's not an area where you can take a stand saying, I neither agree nor disagree. There's only in or out. You either confess Christ or you deny him. Matthew 12 and 30, Jesus said, He who is not with me <clears throat> is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Because Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the captain of our salvation, Jesus, the Lion of Judah, said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Kind of a challenging lesson. I hope you understand that it's more about changing your inner uh, character to respond as Jesus would to be respond instead of physically standing on the street corner waving the sign, Jesus is Lord, or repent, he's coming soon. It's more about changing you and letting your light shine from within that others might ask you of the hope that's within you. Thanks for your attention.